Welcome into another episode of Mid-Michigan Matters. This podcast is designed to go behind the scenes at what our local nonprofit organizations are doing in our community. And now, here's your host, Chris Spockman. It is Mid-Michigan Matters, where we talk about what matters in Mid-Michigan. I've got Andrea Graham, Evan Cotton, Kelly Cotton, and Eric Cotton here with me from Farwell, we spoke in April about Donate Life Month. Evan was actually in the hospital getting ready to undergo a heart transplant. And we're kind of updating on how things are going. And, you know, it's one of those, Andrea and I talked back in April about this. It's, it's one thing to hear from you and I about, you know, donating an organ or something like that. But it's a whole other thing to, you know, hear a first life or firsthand example, I, I should say. And uh, talk a little bit about the blanket campaign from April Donate Life Month. How many blankets did you guys get? And then I'm going to kind of open the floor to you. And, you know, said, I'll just kind of keep jumping in. So back in April, we did have the um, Comfort Blanket campaign, and that was in um, partnership with the Michigan Donor Family Council. We uh, ended up collecting over 110 blankets, and those blankets then were distributed to donor families in Michigan. Um, They still have a dire need, so if anybody out there is interested in creating a blanket, they should definitely, um, they could reach out to me or even you, Chris, and we could get them connected um, with the Michigan Donor Family Council um, so they could make a comfort blanket. Yep, and you know, your brother was an organ donor. That's that's kind of how you got me involved with this, and you introduced me into Evan and, and Kelly, and we got to talk with them on, on the phone while they were down there in the hospital. I know that kind of you know meant a lot to you, you and I, and it's just so cool to have both of you guys back here again. I, I can't thank you enough. And so I kind of want you guys to talk a little bit about the process. And, Andrea, you're so much more familiar with it. You know these guys so much more better. So I kind of open up the floor to you, kind of talk about what's happened since April with this young man. Okay. So, I mean, just to kind of go back, it was uh, – a year, almost a year ago, when I started um, planning a, a program for the library about um, National Donate Life no- Month, and so in November and December of last year, we were putting together these plans. And at the time, I didn't know that, and I don't know if that's the timing when it was Evan December. began began to show heart more. failure signs, yes. and so it just happened to coincide in April when we were doing this campaign that Evan was then um, at the point of his transplantation. And um, I have to say, it was a very emotional month as just somebody from a donor family standpoint to watch the process. And, um, And since then, I have had the absolute privilege an honor to spend a little bit of time with um, Evan and his family. And we were able to go to uh, a zoo event together in Grand Rapids um, for the Donate Life at the Zoo event um, with Gift of Life Michigan and a Tigers game. And uh, it's been amazing to see uh, Evan just flourish. And um, I mean, you look amazing, man. <laughs> it's, Thank you. It's awesome to be here with you today. What did you enjoy more, Evan, the zoo or the Tigers game? Probably the Tigers game. Tigers game. And do you remember, did anything special happen today? Anybody hit a homer or anything like that? Do you remember? Yeah, the, the Tigers beat the Astros. I, oh, the Astros, too. All right, that's a big win over the Astros. And, Kelly, I, I you know, thank you so much for joining us back in April because I know that was a just a tough, tough time for you guys. I can't even imagine. But the reason why you wanted to talk is because – Donating organs is, is so important. Like I said, Evan is a firsthand example. Can you guys just talk a little bit about what it means to, to have gotten that heart that is now in his body? Like I said, I, I don't even know how to approach these questions. 
Sure. Um, <clears throat> I would say that our family never thought that we were going to be in the position to where one of us would need an organ. So organ donating was probably not something we paid a lot of attention to when my husband and I dated in high school, grew up married, and I don't think it's something we really thought too much about. And then we began to have our family and our youngest was born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome. And we knew right from the get go that the end result of that, when that road of being a hypoplastic um, child was at the end, it was going to lead to a heart transplant, but it was always off in the distance. And so we became donors, I believe, a long time ago, my husband and I, and um, didn't really advocate a lot for it, to be honest, because I think it was something that was in the distant future, and we hoped to keep it in the distant future because it meant we were at the end of one chapter of our life and going to have to begin the other. Um, you know, but when December of 2022 hit, it was just a couple of days after Christmas, <clears throat> Evan began to go into very severe heart failure and it just kind of plummeted from there month by month. And by April, they shared that they wanted us on the list like right now, like we went from one day not being on the list and, you know, transplants in the future, but we still weren't sure how close to it's time. And so at that point in time, I think between December and April, organ donating became a real topic in our household, obviously. And it is very, very important that um, there are people who are on the list because every day there are people who are on the list needing these organs. And so when people are listed as a donor, those things are available for, for example, let me just say as we've lived so much at, at the hospital, there are babies. Just yesterday, I was at an appointment and a friend was sharing with me that she has a friend that had a brand new baby that needs a heart transplant. Is it born with the same thing Evan has? And the, the baby needed a heart immediately. You know, those things are not necessarily things that people think about every from day to day. Any person could wake up tomorrow and have something majorly wrong with them and the only answer is a, a, an organ transplant. You know, whether it be liver, whether it be lung, whether it be kidneys, you know. Um, so I think it's something that nobody wants to have to talk about because it's scary. It, but it is something that needs to have so much more awareness. I mean, really, if you want to put it real, real bluntly, when you're an organ donor, not always, but sometimes it is the death of one person why not share life with someone else and then your family can know that there's a part of you living on? And I just want to jump in right there because this is this is a conversation that Kelly and I have had, you know, on and off and um, that and I wanted to always reassure her and Evan and Eric and your and Avery, your, your whole family, how that gift it was a gift. You know, my brother, um, he, my brother, Chad Jessup, he passed away in a car accident in 1995. And my parents made that difficult decision in a very, very short period of time. And, you know, they questioned that decision at the time. Um, but then we learned a little girl in Connecticut received his heart valves. And it just changed our outlook so greatly. It was such 
an amazing feeling to know that a little bit of my brother lives on in someone else. And um, that the recipient then it becomes so important to the donor, donor's family. And um, I've just have been amazed at the empathy and care that you have shown um, for donors and donor families. And, and for Evan's donor, not knowing who they may be, um, th- then I also just want to share that how um, donor families feel may be different than what people expect. Um, I, the same for the recipient family as well, because I've, I don't know about my husband. I can't speak for him because his feelings are a little bit different and, and probably more simplified. I'm very, I'm very emotionally complicated sometimes. Me too. Deeper thinking, <laughs> you know, have to think of things that maybe aren't necessarily even needing to be thought about, but, um, there's a sense of guilt for me. There was in the very beginning because I knew somebody else's loved one had passed away and they were giving that permission to let them go. Yet it gave my child another lease on life. And so I desperately wanted it. Um, But then when it's all done and said and you think about it, you walk in and you look at your child who is pink as he has ever been and his heart was beating so strong through his chest that we could see it just beating as he laid there. And I was so lucky and whoever that person was, whether their parents were still alive or not, they, they lost someone. And so there's a, there's a different feeling yet. So grateful. I can never, ever, ever reach the point of saying thank you enough and whatnot. So it is, it's, it's strange what you feel. So I can't imagine what it feels as the donor family as well. And I think as from a donor family standpoint, um, we're looking at this as this, you have this horrific event that you are deep in grief. And then you realize that something beautiful came out of it. And it wasn't, it wasn't a choice. We didn't have a choice right. to keep our loved one. There was nothing we could do to prevent that from happening. So, it, and then it's this, it really is a gift. And I've talked to other donor families, and I've also talked to some other recipients who have mentioned things like feeling this survivor's guilt. And um, and as a donor family, I just want to reiterate, oh my gosh, don't feel that way. Please don't feel that way. Because um, as a donor family member, that's not how we feel, or at least my family. Um, we feel differently about that. And I've talked to several other donor families who feel the same way. We we just feel like there should be no guilt because there is this, it's a gift, and that's why they call it gift of life. Um, it's this final gift that somebody gave, and it's like a, a, the most beautiful thing. And I feel like we need to treasure that in a different way and not look at it in a negative standpoint. So I hope that I always, you do always, you do. You've helped positive, me through a lot of that. Yes. <laughs> but when you go feeling. back to your original question about shedding a little more light on that, this is why it's so important that people there, that there is awareness raised on 
um, organ doning, but, uh, but for the recipients too, so that people can see what the process looks like and they can hear that some of these feelings and some of these um, thoughts that are running through their minds are normal. These are, these are things that people deal with, and, but also all that it entails. I think people shy away from it because it's a scary topic. You know, it's kind of right up there with probably death. You know, it's a scary topic. People don't want to think about it. They don't want to plan for it. They don't want to look ahead and think about that kind of stuff. But also they're not aware of how does the process work? What do I do to sign up to be a donor? What, where do I go to do that? And if they don't know, they're afraid to ask questions. So what do we do? We, we raise awareness. We meet people like Andrea and the people at the Gift of Life that I have met. And um, yeah, and I also met up with another heart recipient mom down there and um, she shared a lot about gift of life and her experience and connections that she had and that's how we raise awareness so that other people in the future come in and and they know that there's support yeah and talk a little bit about that you said there is help out there there's social workers down there and my parents you can get parking there's so many things you can do those resources are there you just kind of got to reach out and find them though don't you kelly yes so like my husband said, we're fortunate enough we come from a very small community, and I teach in that community. And shout out to Farwell if you want to talk a little bit about that, too. Go Eagles, do. right, Evan? Yeah. That's right. He just shakes his head. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Farwell is where my husband and I both graduated from in the 90s, and our children both attend there, and our oldest has graduated from there. Um, we have an amazing community, not just in the school, but the community, Claire and Farwell, together, People were coming out of everywhere to support Eric and I and Avery and Evan in any way they could, um, offering to clean garden, plant my garden. People were offering to do that. Um, gift cards, gas cards, you name it. Phone calls, messages, cards. Evan would get cards every day. He kind of became the joke on the 11th floor because he was getting mail every day from people in our community, <laughs> just giving them cards of well wishes, you know, that they're thinking of them. And so that's a major thing too, for the donors and the recipients, they need that support, but also down at the hospital at not being afraid to ask the nurses, Hey, look, I need to talk to a social worker. I have some questions about things. Then the social worker can come in. And even if it's questions that the, that the parents, the donor or the recipient, um, don't come up with the the social worker does that's what they're there for there's things available that we didn't even know were available the Mott house and the the things available through the Mott house or the Ronald McDonald house for supports for the families to come visit while you're there for the long stay and the long wait um, they were the social worker was bending over backwards trying to give him things to take his mind off of the sitting while we were sitting in the waiting right up especially right at the very end where we were ready to go in because the process isn't, Oh, we're going to schedule this on this day and it's going to happen. It might be, we're going to schedule it this day. Now it's canceled for today. Maybe the donor's family is struggling to say their goodbyes. Maybe the, the intricacy of the organi organization of the organ donation is so complex, complex <laughs> and amazing. Yes. I mean, the day of transplant, there were people coming from all over the United States to harvest organs from the donor of where Evan got his heart. From what I can recall, he has donated multiple, he, she, sorry, has donated um, multiple organs 
uh, tissues. And so that's all got to be organized into a certain time frame in a certain order of harvesting. And so those social workers played a huge role in trying to entertain him, keep him at peace and things like that. So I just want to say, because you're talking about the donor, um, so one donor can um, possibly give up to eight life-saving organs and can impact up to 75 lives with tissues, their corneas. Um, there's just so much one person can do to improve so many people's lives. And, and one thing I learned in April that was really, really important when it comes to all this is, you know, I kind of thought the heart's... Kidneys are the one thing I think that can you can kind of put them on ice for a little bit. Is that correct? That was something that I didn't have any clue of, and I think is also something you know really important to know because you think you know donating your organs, how important is it? Well, people pass away every day, but people need to continue their lives every day, and, and so the heart transplant has to happen like like that, doesn't it? I mean, like I said, it's so much. There's more a four hour span of when it exits one body and entrance enters another when you think about a span of life that's you know what mm-hmm. i mean pretty pretty darn quick and mm-hmm. evan i got i got a question for you here we'll see if we can get you to answer something when it came to the stuff that to, to you know keep your mind busy to take your mind off i think about the most vocal language i'll use is you know crap you know what was something that kind of helped keep your mind off that was there a video game was was there something a puzzle or something like that what what was the thing you kept your mind off that Legos, probably. Legos? All right. And like I said, I, I want to share that because that, if you've got a kid out there that's not feeling well for many different reasons, if Legos can keep you know your mind busy with what you were going through, I think it could help out a lot of parents and a lot of kids out there if their youngsters are going through something. And do you have a, you got a favorite Lego like thing that you've built or anything like that? No, it's just anything that anyone donates. Anything. It's just because I'm into it, but. And so if you got sent, you know, 50 Lego things, you you were putting them all together? Uh, I I kind of spaced them out between before and after. All right. I knew I wouldn't be feel up to it after most of the time, but I still, just in case, I didn't know what it was going to be like. So gotcha. I figured I'd do a little bit before and just entertain myself before and then left the rest for after. All right. And before and after, like I said, it probably took a little while for you to start feeling better. But talk about what, what that's been like with, you know, new heart pump it i'll say um it helps me a lot in gym class um uh i sweat because before for some reason i didn't sweat but now i like i'm out in the sun for like 10 minutes i'm soaked but you need to find the right deodorant now and, and all that <laughs> kind of stuff for the first time yeah. <laughs> and and what's it mean for you know and, and I, I got the sunglasses on in here, the prescription shades or whatever. So I'm, I'm choking up a little bit here as I hear you guys talk. And Andrea Kelly, you know, Evan, thank you guys. And Eric's in here too. You guys just sharing this too is just going to help out so many people out there. I can't thank you guys enough. But to watch to watch your young man here be doing better, how, what's that like? Talk about that. Eric, you want to talk? Or you want me to do it? <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It is. Like – the strangest of things, you know, his color has adjusted a great deal. Um, he's pink. We don't have to worry about oxygen levels anymore. We would watch oxygen levels rather closely prior to. We don't have to watch that anymore. We're not seeing swelling prior. Between December and April, um, the swelling was just the most outrageous, bizarre thing we'd seen. I mean, that poor kid's ankles and things would be his face because of the steroids he had to be on. That's all gone. He's off steroids. Um, go ahead. 
Well, after surgery, we didn't know, but he ended up uh, with diabetes from the meds. And so that's kind of a scary thought. And then over time, with the reduction of steroids, he was able to get off that. So there's a lot of things we're basically down to and narrowed down to almost normal life at this point. So it was kind of, we've spent years and years being on medication. We're still on medications. We're still anti-rejection drugs. But just uh, Tuesday, we just came back from the doctors, and he's been on a, a diuretic for his entire life, and they we ended that on Tuesday. Wow. wow. So it's kind of, yeah, it's just, just things that are huge steps. I mean, yes, they added a med or two otherwise, but they're not, they're just more uh, maintenance Protectants. stuff that for long-term uh, use of the heart. Cause I mean, inevitably we will be heading down that path at some point in life again, just because with uh, anti-rejection drugs and stuff, it's not necessarily easy on the body, but uh, quality of life right now for him, I feel that we're, he's a normal kid at this point, other than, I mean, as normal as you can be in this situation, we've led a life of oxygen levels, mid seventies around mid eighties. And now we're, we're like any other human, we're high nineties and, uh, able to do just about anything he wants to do. Um, we're still exploring that as far as that goes. Um, I mean, obviously, being that he's in 10th grade, we're a little late for starting sports, um, but he's able to do hunting. Uh, he's bowling and participating in gym class like normal. It used to be before he would be held back because he couldn't keep up. And everybody knew it, but now it's like – Go for it, buddy. Get yourself warmed up and let's go have some fun. Kind of uh, thing. What's been dad's favorite thing to see? Well, I guess it's kind of having a healthy boy and one that has a heart condition. It was kind of a struggle to have one that was kind of left behind on things. And it really, the family has always operated around Evan's schedules and uh, his way of life. So needs, whatever, if we vacationed, we did things that Evan could do and uh, that kind of stuff. And, um, and not that it's a huge deal, but it's like he can come out and do yard work now and different things. <laughs> <laughs> the, the older brother's getting... That's gr- dad's <laughs> favorite thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just because it's, it feels normal yeah. to be able to do those normal things that you were just... He would always sneak off just because he didn't feel good because he just I, ran out of juice. Hank Hill, you, you, know, you know what I mean? Out there mowing your lawn with the yeah. kid. You right, know right, what I mean? Yeah. Grilling with your son. And my, what's what's been mom's favorite thing? Um, I think the most favorite thing for me is like he has always engaged with his big brother however he can. His big, bro- big brother has always adjusted accordingly. His brother is athletic, super athletic where Evan's never really been terribly interested in it, in a lot of it. Mostly I think because he was tired. He could he didn't have the the air capacity and the energy to be able to do it. So it was of not of interest to him. Um, two of my favorite things I think are this, like three months post transplant, we were in Ludington one evening, we decided the three of us were going to run to Ludington and watch the sunset. And he took his shirt off and wrapped it around his head and then said, I'm gonna go for a run just because I can. Wow. <laughs> for Evan to say that he's going to go for a run was never, ever. A thing. And he was on the beach, and Adam, you know, I'm looking at Evan, you were like, hell yeah, I'm going for a run. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Might have scared a few people on the beach with all the war wounds that he came home with and, and stuff like that, but, but for him to have the pride to be able to go out and do it and not worry about it yep. is awesome. Yeah, and the other favorite thing I think is his brother has a group of buddies he hangs with about once a week, and they do flag football, and they take Evan with them. 
And Evan plays flag football with those boys and loves every second of it. So, what, what's his favorite position? What do you, Your all time center. center. Hey, Rudy started off at all time center, baby. And we, all know, <laughs> we all know where he finished. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> um, Andrea, you know, kind of continue on here. I'm kind of just. I'm just kind of smiling and crying underneath here at the same time. I don't know. How. It's hard not to have literal tears of joy. And that's the one thing that um, I didn't realize here. Here my brother has, he's been gone a long time. And yet this is actually witnessing Evan's journey has been, um, it's been uh, healing for me and even my family. Um, my parents and my sister and their family, her sister and my sister and her family, um, came with us and yeah. met their family at, at the, zoo. the zoo, and um, that was just really good for us. It was so good for us to see someone like Evan just thriving and just knowing in our hearts that um, Chad's recipient most likely had this change of life that was so positive and it just is it's super comforting and i don't think that a lot of people understand the comfort a um, donor family feels knowing a recipient is doing so well and you telling me that is what prompted me to write my letter to send to gift of life and then they will everything's anonymous and it, the, the process begins of the donor family receiving a letter from our family. I was scared, terribly scared, uncertain if they even wanted to hear from us because that would be a, that would be a difficult thing. took me two months to write it. Um, I just mailed it out last week. And um, because you talked to me about that comfort piece, that was super helpful. And, you know, everybody is different as far as like their grief journey. And, you know, some families might not be as receptive to that right away. They just need a little more time. But from my experience and the people that I have spoke to, um, it's been really powerful. Mm -hmm. And um, in some closure, I think. Um, And then just feeling really good about that decision, whether their family made that decision on that person's behalf or that person made that decision on their own. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think that that is important. It's important that you try Mm -hmm. and hopefully those connections happen and they get that opportunity. But you see these videos of people meeting each other and um, loved ones hearing their or somebody hearing their loved one's heart and someone else and um, I've had people ask did you get that opportunity and you know we didn't we didn't have that opportunity um, but boy would we have loved that uh, because it's it's just the sense of um, joy and completion to this whole process that you just don't expect you just don't expect it, and um, but it's that's what how you feel, and that's why the organization continuing to grow probably back. You know what I mean? Since your brother was doing it, he said you guys might be able to get that opportunity, and you know that would just be so cool. I think you know I made you watch an old E60 video of a boxer who had passed away, and the mother was able to go, you know, meet the recipients. Like yes. I said, it's just so so special, and you know I can't thank you guys again for taking some time to to talk about this and becoming an organ donor. You, you know. I, I I don't really know what more words to put it in than kind of what you guys have been talking about. And we actually have a real life example, Evan sitting here with us of what can happen if you become an organ donor. And so 
There's in Michigan, you guys talk, talked about the yes. license thing a little bit in Michigan, how that works. So um, the Secretary of State has a program where it, they'll ask you if you want to be a donor and you can add that to your driver's license. And, and it's perfect. It's the perfect time to do it. You renew your license or you get your new license and you just check a box and say, sure, I'll be an organ or tissue donor. And then your family doesn't have to make that decision for mm-hmm. you, um, especially if you're open to that. Uh since they started that campaign or that program, uh, people who have signed up to be organ and tissue donors has just skyrocketed. Uh, back when Chad was a donor, um, I was telling you guys earlier, um, I believe the state of Michigan, the state of Michigan um, eligible donation donors would have been down in like maybe the 30% area. And the last I heard, it's creeping up to closer to 70, um, which is amazing. Um, and of course the, the organ um, donation is always um, at a critical need, I would say, more than a tissue donation. But there's uh, there's a reason for that, yeah. you know. And so I just I just encourage anybody and everybody um, go ahead become an organ and tissue donor. Um, And I guess until you're in the situation, like when we were down at the hospital, we had no no idea how many uh, organ transplants were going on on a daily basis. I mean, it's every day, 24 hours a day. I mean, we ended up our transplant was on a Sunday. I mean, they're not it's not a. It's not once a week. It's not it's and it's not just hearts. It's everything. everything. And it's like the need is there. I mean, it's there and it's to have that many people involved just helps that process go along. And these organs come from, from where we're located from the Rockies to the East coast, from Canada, clear down to Florida, basically is where these organs can come from, from where we're at timing wise. And so, I mean, it's just, it needs to be, and the more people involved and the more it just helps everybody. I'm, I'm going to kind of go on the limb here and say we need to have it be – it needs to be on voter registration. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you I, th- I think before I can even finish it, Kelly, that's, that's kind of was going to be your next thing, I think, because, yeah. you know, why not? You, you know what I mean? Absolutely. It just it just makes sense. And then if it's – or every state should have it on yeah. the, the driver's license thing because if we were at, you know, 100% organ donation, you, you know, I don't even know if that's possible or whatever. Some people, you know, damage tissue, you know what I mean? Yeah. That stuff's not going to work, but – it would sure save a lot more lives. Like I said, you think 70% of people and may be registered. Yeah. Yeah. They're close. I think they're in, the, they were in the 60 something percent at one time when I last checked, I don't know what the exact percentage is now, but I, I guess I just want to say like the, the amount of people who have signed up to be an organ and tissue donor has greatly improved. That number has greatly improved over the last But you're right. It's always in a, it's always in a need because there's you, always a huge when you need. look at the donor list, like he's on a PD he was on a pediatric donor list and they take priority. Now had he turned eighteen and then they listed him, he would go on the adult. It's a couple year wait for a heart transplant as an adult. Our son received a heart transplant four days well, not the transplant, but we found that there was a match four days after he was listed because he was a pediatric. The next time, if he needs one, he'll be an adult and he'll be listed on the adult. There's a wait. When there's a wait like that, that many years, 
there's a there's a need. It's and, critical. And it's one of those that, you know, unfortunately there are people passing away every day. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, it, you know, Waiting. Like, this is, you know, topics so hard to talk about, but you, you know, I don't want to say something is going to waste. However, in the end, you know, for in, in particular, Kelly, I feel like you could give this perspective. It is correct. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? You could, you know, there was there was people who passed away Absolutely. in those days that you guys were waiting that probably could have happened as well. Like I said, and for one reason or another, they're not an organ donor. And yep. like I said, I think the more we make people aware, the more that people can hear from somebody like Evan and his parents, Kelly and Eric, that more people are going to kind of like, why not? You know yeah. what I mean? It's kind of like, and, you know, and Eric made that point about, you know, if you're if you're not exposed to it in some way, shape or form through someone in your family or your community or, you know, a friend of a friend or whatever, you don't you don't really understand the need. Um, and so it doesn't here. become a priority. Yeah. yeah. Well, so we just we, we really want to push it. Yeah. And some <laughs> yeah. of this awareness and people need to realize. So, yeah, the registration we're talking about is for adults. Yes. Okay. Well, the need where we're at at the children's hospital are people that aren't registered because a, chi- a child or a young child can only have a heart the same size as the child. So it has to be another child. So or that a little, so, a little scrawny guy like me or well, something. Well, but the parent, yeah. Well, you could fit, you'd probably be the right size yeah, for Evan. Yeah. So, but, <laughs> hey, he actually, he actually <laughs> said he would give his heart to <laughs> Evan if it was his time. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, I mean, so adults have to make a decision if they have a child that's sickly and going to pass away to donate to. So it's a kind of, this goes for everybody, all ages, and not just talking about adults because we have, there's a lot of babies that are waiting that need a baby heart. And, and that would be a very tough decision for a be. parent to make. But like yes, you said, what, once you guys put yourself in that situation, like I said, it, it is horrible to think about. It's horrible to talk about. But again, it's kind of a why not. As situation. a mom of a child, I can tell you that I would have been, had we waited as long as what some of those people that we met have been waiting and are still waiting, I would be pleading with parents to please consider, <clears throat> you know, I don't mean to make it sound like, it's not a big deal, but it it is a huge deal when you think about the fact that I'm sorry that there's been a loss. I hurt for you. I hurt I hurt for the mama of Evan's donor every single day of my life. There are days that I don't pass that I don't cry for her. I wear this necklace that Eric bought me and the two hearts, this obviously is Evan and the little gold one I think of as the donor for Evan every day. I don't know what her void is like. My void has been filled. Thank you to her and her family, whoever she is. But these parents have to consider your baby passes. There's a baby two doors down. That's been waiting for six months for something to save its life. And so why not? Why not give that family the joy that you hoped to have? Yes. The, the joy that you guys are able to share right, right now together. We are so thankful for um, donors. Yeah, and to, to think I'm going to kind of wrap this into a super kind of positive way to end it. Um, talk a little bit more about the Farwell community, maybe even a few names to give somebody a shout out or something. Talk talk about some of the stuff that was given to you guys, maybe somebody that brought you guys dinner, maybe who was talking about planting your garden. Like I said, I, I don't know. Well, I, just, I mean, just to start out the process, I mean, when people found out that we were going to be heading down, they planned a parade, a one-car parade. And 
I was kind of hesitant about it at first because it sounded kind of silly. And then when we showed up, this parade was as big as a, a, a like a Memorial Day or Labor, Labor Day, Day parade. parade. Bigger than the Lumberjack Festival? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Yes, we, I mean, we had... The fire department, the police department, we had a crane that was over the streets. and Holding an Evan Strong sign. And just, I mean, all the, between Claire and Farwell with all the signs that said Evan Strong on it. And then just like local community members, uh, the pizza place. I mean, they, they didn't help us, but they helped our son that was at home. I mean, they helped us, but in that way, but they gave him a. Um, they were thinking of the whole family, you know, the provided the meals other for him Avery, while we were. Avery had a free pizza pass, <laughs> a very very long free pizza pass. I can tell you this: all the businesses, all the community members, my te- my coworkers, my my administration that I work for. It's endless. The board members. Um, community I, churches around community the area. churches. And we um, didn't ask for any of this because, I mean, I don't feel we weren't necessarily in a position that we needed this help, but the help came without being asked. I mean, literally, they just brought it to they us. They heard the cry. They I, heard I really I mean, believe that people, they want to do something. Yes, they do. They want to so bad do yes. something tangible to help you. Yep. And I, I just want to circle back around then to the donor quilts because that is just a perfect tangible way to show gratitude and care and empathy to a donor family by creating a donor blanket or a comfort blanket something tangible yes people really want that and so when there was this need with evan people they feel helpless but they desperately want to do something to just make you feel loved and cared and um, cherished. Can I share with you a friend of mine? I'll just throw her name out there because I don't think she'll care. But um, I graduated from high school with the elementary principal, Carrie Kerncross. And um, we had one week at home is what they gave us before we left. And within that week, she continuously said, when you give me the green light, I were having a parade. She single-handedly organized people and this big event, and the support came out of nowhere, and she did it out of complete and utter love for our family, for Evan. She's one of Evan's older te- old teachers from middle school, um, and from there, people just waded in, and it was like continuous messaging on Facebook and texting and emailing. If you need anything, let us know. Um, our son, oldest son, received a Kiwanis Club scholarship as he was graduating that spring, and the next thing I know, the Kiwanis Club is helping our family out monetarily out of the love of their hearts. And Evan got to meet the people, the one of the members of the Kiwanis Club for the first time this fall when he was on homecoming court. And um, just, it was astronomical. Like, we were in complete disbelief. Well, and, and just to kind of put it out in a way that, because I think, believe Evan's seen that through his own eyes. And then we had excess at some points while we were at the hospital and he had been, he's like, dad, uh, I noticed this family has been here longer than we have. And, uh, I think that we should take some of these actually, we got a lot of DoorDash cards and different things like that, that we weren't able to use all of them while we were down there. And he took the, a couple of items to this family and said, Hey, this is for you guys. Well, I've, he told them, he noticed that they had been there a long time and they were still waiting, I believe for a heart also. Right. Yes. A baby. And it was a, a young child. And so he was, took it 
upon himself to, I think he even was, were you on the three wheel cart when you, cause you weren't able to quite walk yet or in a wheelchair and he wheeled it down to them and gave them some gift certificates that were given to us and, uh, bless them in that way because just, and just because we were given so much and he felt like it was time to give out what I forward, I'll make the cheesy thing of, you know, it's mid Michigan matters here on our show and people care about what matters in mid Michigan. And that was, that was you guys, yes. you, you know what yep. I mean? This, this, this past April. And I'm going to make you give the headset back to Evan here. I'm going to make him kind of answer one more question, kind of going off of that, that last thing. So when you were down there in the hospital, Evan, you know, you were able to hook up some families, some other things. And so talk about that need. You, you know what I mean? You saw some families going through some really tough stuff, just like you guys were going through. And just like we need more donors right now, those people that are down there need help right now too, don't they? Any Anything would help too, I imagine. Yeah. And so what would you suggest, you know, if people maybe had some extra cash, extra toys, you know, send some Legos down there, send some DoorDash coupons because you guys get food delivered in there. Was that what you mm. would suggest? Yeah. Uh Money probably helps the most yep. with food and stuff. Uh, I've eaten that hospital food. It's not the best. <laughs> and so it helps the families. Yeah, and so food's something that's a big, big deal to bring in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that, Kelly? Yeah, I would. Evan also made mention of toys. You know, toys, I'm sure the hospital has uh, some sort of a bank of toys. But, you know, he when he was getting his Legos, he made a comment one night that something along the lines of um, – the hospital should just have where people donate these things so that when there is somebody sitting in there for an extra long time waiting that can be brought in to them to do. Um, so that's, a, that's something I think that that's he, a great idea. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. All right. So yeah, thanks. So it, it would all have to be brand new. And yeah, so yeah. What, what hospital is this exactly that you guys were at? CS Mott Children's Hospital CS down at University of Michigan. All right. And so, and then I know there's a, you know, Sparrow Children's Hospital yes. in Lansing. It's like yep. I said, if you're out DeVos, there. DeVos out of Grand Rapids. Yep. Donate stuff to them. Send them Legos. Send them toys. Yes. Like Evan, you can tell us firsthand that that's something that's going to help them out, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. And Evan, Eric. Uh, Kelly, thank you guys so much for joining me. Andrea, do you, any, anything to add on here? You said we might go 50 minutes. We were about there. <laughs> yeah. I told you we had a lot to say. It's a, such well, an important it topic. Is, it really it is. is. And, and you two sharing, you know, any, I, I really feel like anybody who listens to this, if they're not a donor, they're probably going to end up being a donor. And so that is kind that of our it, goal it here. Prompts some conversations. Yes. And, and I think, you know, with, you know, talking about, uh, the unfortunate losses of children, um, if a parent already has chosen to be a donor, they're more likely to be educated enough to make that choice on behalf of their child. Yes. Um, so it, I think it's just a matter of talking with people more and just um, having these hard conversations. They and are hard conversations. They are. But what a great time to, like, at Thanksgiving. You're with your family. Yep. You're talking about the things you're thankful for. We go around the table and you say, what are you thankful for? Oh, my life, you yes. know? And it's like, well, but yeah, we all have an expiration date. There's not a lot and, of time always to discuss this topic right, of being a donor. Right. You don't always have that time. Sometimes it happens, and there you are in the position. So it's right. something that should, needs to be... Yeah, yes, for sure. Yes. Yeah. So I hope that if anyone listens in on this, that they take away that they need to have some more conversations with their family and extended family and friends and um, just, you know, spread the word. Yeah. And if you call me here at the station, I'll answer a couple questions. If you got more questions, I'll connect you with <laughs> Absolutely. Andrea. Send them to me. Yeah. I would be happy to answer. And if I don't know the answer, I will find the answer. <laughs> and if there's any big government wigs out there listening to this voter ID, 
organ donor registration. Yeah. That's that's what we want in the long run. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Cotton family. Andrea, thank you guys so much for joining me. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mid-Michigan Matters. While you're here, feel free to browse earlier episodes or other podcast programs on our platform. Listen to what you will and spread the word. Thanks again for listening.